Welcome to Seattle Mennonite Church this morning. We are all on indigenous land, wherever we are, from all of the places that we're joining this morning. Here in Seattle, we are on the traditional land of the Duwamish people, the first people of Seattle. The Duwamish live here, they thrive here, despite centuries of violence and aggression and erasure of their people. And we recognize our identities as settler colonizers on this land. And in doing so, we seek to discomfort and unsettle ourselves as we work to, toward repaired relationship with our neighbors. I invite you to please consider a gift to the Duwamish, or if you're not here in Seattle, a gift to the first people wherever you are, uh, perhaps even a regularly regular monthly real rent payment, one way to show respect and gratitude for the land on, with, on which we live and work and play and worship. And I think Megan's posted the real rent link in the chat. Our hymn of gathering for this morning is uh, singing along with ourselves to You've Got a Place at the welcome table. I could not find this in Voices Together, and I, I know there was some conversation among the, um, the Voices Together committee about why, which I'm, which maybe I will talk about at another time, uh, but I love hearing our voices welcome us to the table. Uh, the clapping is a little raggedy, but we get there eventually, uh, and I invite you to sing along as we open our worship together. going to continue our worship with the call to worship. I invite you to join Megan and her brother Derek in the yellow words of response and I will read those dark red words. Come joyfully before the Lord. God knows us and loves us. 
Come prayerfully before the Lord. God sees our concerns, our fears, our anxieties. Come hopefully before the Lord. Christ proclaimed God's love and presence with all God's people. Know throughout all of your being that God absolutely loves you. How precious and powerful that knowledge is. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. For uh, how many months has it been now? 15 months since we have been inside of our building worshiping together. We have buried ourselves like seeds inside of our own homes. And now, finally, we're beginning to talk about how we can re-emerge to new life. Uh, again, in the presence of others, returning to our center of worship in Lake City. Many of you will have seen Pastor Megan's email by now, sort of setting out a course for what our life will be, how our life will begin to transition our focal point back to our church building. Um, and church, we know, will not look quite like it did before. We have, we have a tendency and maybe even a longing to return to what was after a, of a big time of trauma. We want what's familiar. We long for something that we know to be back the way it was, to resuscitate the body of the church into our old ways of being. But what we and our leadership teams have begun to think about is as a better image and metaphor for what the church will become is resurrection. We are the same body. We're the same body of Seattle Mennonite church, but we will look different in the same way that the resurrected body of, of Jesus was Jesus, but it was also a completely new reality, both for Jesus and for Jesus community. And in scripture, the time after Jesus' res resurrection was a time of disorientation, of fear, of chaos, and also of joy and elation and relief and confusion and doubt and new understandings. All of these feelings that we ourselves have been living with as we try to navigate what a changed people we are as a culture and as a church. What we know for sure uh, is what we stated in our call to worship, that God's love is constant with us, that God has never left us and will never leave us, and that we can count on God's spirit to be present with us. Our recent Pentecost worship is a reminder of that ever-present spirit with us. And we're going to need to show each other a lot of grace during this time and give each other lots of space both figurative and literal space, like in both senses, as we navigate what it looks like to be a resurrected body of Seattle Mennonite Church. So that's what we're going to be worshiping with over the next uh, five weeks, six weeks, as we think about, as we work our way, yeah, Megan said five weeks, as we work our way toward that moment of transition when we move into doing some first meetings outdoors and then finally back in our building together. And we'll be figuring that out together, people of Jesus. We light our peace candle, our just peace candle uh, every week 
to acknowledge that as a community, we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all of creation. When I was thinking about the peace candle this week, um, there had just been yet another mass shooting in San Jose. Uh, and so I thought about naming the longing and need for just for something, uh, the, the helplessness in the face of that kind of gun violence. And then, of course, this weekend, another shooting. And I, I just lack the words to know what to ask for. And it's at times like this when I really call on God's spirit to pray through me for uh, a will of the people of this nation, of government, of individuals to eschew violence and to care for each other in community. Um, it grieves me. It grieves me and I wish it grieved us all more. And together we pray. We long for a just peace. We pray for a just peace. And we choose to live for a just peace. May peace be with you. And also with you. Our next hymn is a hymn of resurrection as we live into being a resurrected
Well, I talked at the beginning of worship about um, how many emotions that we might be feeling as we go into a new understanding of what it means to be people together. And so I, because we're going to be feeling all of those emotions, each of these Sundays during, during our children's time for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the different ways that we respond to the emotions that we're feeling and how we think about what we as people, how we as people can feel those things and then keep going, even when we're feeling things that are hard. So for today, I found this book called I Can Do Hard Things. And it says mindful affirmations for kids, but grownups, we also can do hard things. I get so many messages about how I should be pulled in different directions. I feel wobbly. When this happens, I listen for that quiet voice inside. When I pay attention that my, when I pay attention, that voice is my guide. I can connect with the love and strength it brings. It helps me remember, I can do hard things. I can be a friend to myself. I can feel all my feelings. I can ask for help. I can try again rather than give up. I can believe in myself. I can speak up when it would be easier to stay quiet. I can say no, even to my friends. I can apologize. I can forgive. I can listen to and understand different points of view. I can care for my community. I can choose kindness. I can practice peace. I can share my gifts with the world. I can be myself. Hard things can be about what we think, feel, say or do. What's hard for me may not be hard for you. You are you and I am me. We walk through the world differently. Trusting my voice helps me find my way. I grow braver and stronger every day. The tough stuff I face is all my own, but I can remember I'm not alone. I'm ready for the hard things I have to do. And please remember, so are you. And that's the end. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, 
They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus's head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? She replied, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my creator. Go to my kindred and tell them, I'm going up to my creator and your creator, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Ooh, what a real blessing it is to be able to read scripture with my brother in my presence. <laughs> He's going to slink off camera now <laughs> for sermon time. For those of you who perhaps weren't here early enough to see in the chat when I introduced him, this is my brother, Derek Raymer who drove all the way from Kansas with his family. So he brought my nephews to me. They arrived late last night and we get to spend a week together. And Derek is the pastor at New Creation Mennonite Fellowship in Newton, Kansas. Uh, so we are, a, we are a double sibling, double pastor team. <laughs> Early in the morning, of the first day of the week, we encounter Mary Magdalene at the tomb. Her beloved teacher, friend, companion has been brutally executed and his body is now missing from its tomb. It's not where it's supposed to be. Mary stays near the tomb. 
unwilling to just walk away or give up. She doesn't know where to go, but has nowhere else to be. Mary cries, allowing herself to feel her sorrow. Mary bends down to look into the tomb, willing herself to notice something, anything that might give her a clue about what has happened to her beloved's body. Mary sees, remarkably, two angels who ask her why she's crying. In response, Mary names her loss and her uncertainty. My beloved's body is gone and I don't know where they've put him. Mary turns and sees a gardener, a person <laughs> whom she presumes to be the gardener. We know from the narrator that it's the resurrected Jesus, but she doesn't know that yet. She does not recognize him. He has come looking like a laborer. I'm struck in this that there's no sparkling robed, radiantly shining transfiguration Jesus here in the garden, but presumably someone with dirt under his nails, regular day labor, laboring clothes, or perhaps a garden spade in his hand. The day laborer says her name, Mary. Mary turns and says his name in turn, Rabuni, beloved teacher. At his instruction, Mary may not touch him, but she may, and in fact must, go and tell. Mary does. She bears witness to the sacred ground of regeneration, to reconnection and seeing anew. She bears witness to resurrection and the stubborn persistence of renewed life. I turn now from the sacred text of the Bible, the Gospel of John, to the sacred text of creation. A few weeks back, I made my first ever trek to Mount St. Helens, known to the Cowlitz people as Lawilatkla, meaning smoker. And if you'll excuse the cheap pun, I was blown away. <laughs> I know it's not actually funny. To walk in that landscape more than 40 years after its devastating and deadly eruption on May 18 of 1980 is otherworldly. Any of you who have been there already know this from your own experience. Between my two stints in Seattle, I've been here nearly 10 years. I can't believe it's taken me 10 years to get there. Though I never walked that sacred land pre-eruption, and I don't have a first account of her pre-eruption landscape to share with you, I still know all the way to my bones that what I saw in the presence of Lawi Latkla a few weeks ago was decidedly not resuscitation. It was not a resuscitated, revived, reviving of its former state into the precise shape of what was before. I did not witness resuscitation of the old. I witnessed resurrection. 
the most remarkable picture of regeneration I have ever borne witness to. I witnessed resurrection into something altogether familiar, yet novel and stubbornly, persistently life anew. In the decades since the eruption, Lawi Latkla has given scientists and regular earthly pilgrims like me alike, an unprecedented opportunity to witness the intricate steps through which life reclaims a devastated landscape. Here is one image I took that day. And another, so very clearly not resuscitation. We'll come back to a couple more images soon. One example, fireweed. Fireweed is indigenous to these lands claiming the most impoverished soil in the name of life. But even so, even with that reputation, even with that strong tradition, that strong ancestral heritage of claiming impoverished soil for life, nobody could believe it when fireweed began to thrust through the ash just a month after the eruption. Michael Gold wrote, the mountain exploded with a force comparable to the largest nuclear bomb ever detonated. Seconds later, the hot blast of escaping gases toppled forests of 500 year old fir trees and incinerated more than 100,000 tons of new leaves and young buds. In some areas, a steaming syrup of mud and rock raced down the slopes at up to 150 miles per hour, stripping away topsoil and tearing up roots. Finally, pieces of the pulverized mountain fell from the sky, burying fertile soil in six to 24 inches, six to 24 inches of fine black sand, pebbles of pumice and gray ash. And then, in less than 30 days, the first shoots of fireweed poked through that lunar landscape into the spring sunlight. Amazing. More vegetation followed the fireweed throughout that summer and in the more than 40 years since, spring after spring after spring, regeneration persists, grows, deepens, reshaping the landscape with new life. This is not fireweed, <laughs> but it made me think of it. As I looked through my photos, this is the one that I thought of to match that piercing through.
1981 article in the Christian Science Monitor, written poetically by Melvin Maddox, he writes this. But who listens to the good news as silent and as modest in the scale of things as a fireweed growing? The big bangs, the mushroom clouds, the erupting black lava, those make the headlines. Yet it is the power of survival that is truly awesome. One spring amid the other more spectacular explosions of nature and history, we may pay attention to this ultimate explosion, this ultimate evidence of power and conclude that life finally is not designed to be destroyed. This is resilience. Adrienne Marie Brown has illuminated for me the power of resilience in her book, Emergent Strategy. As always, she grounds her work in nature, in creation. In fact, every chapter starts with a section grounding in nature. And she uh, is not alone in this. We know this from indigenous folks who have tended this land for generation, generations. She claims that we are, of course, not separate from creation. Creation is not a thing that we apprehend. It is a thing we are part of. And it was there in her book, Emergent Strategy, that I encountered this most beautiful description of resilience from Sham E. Ali Naim. Nature regenerates. Full stop. Nature regenerates. It works in unison in its creation and destruction. Nature is a collective entity. entity. It lives on no matter what in oceans, forests, volcanoes, and shifting tectonic plates. It is the size of tigers and the hum of bird's wings. Nature heals itself. Did you notice in that description, the inclusion of destruction? The resilience of life is like resurrection. And resurrection, unlike resuscitation, knows that after a life-altering experience, things will never be the same. Resurrection does not deny the reality of death, but somehow contains it. Resurrection acknowledges that something has died and or that certain things must die in order for new life to spring up. The ashes have piled up in this pandemic year. So many losses and deaths. Many of us lost beloveds to COVID-19. Jimmy Clark is the name written on my heart. Pause for a moment and recall the names written on your own. Many others of us brushed up against the struggle, the suffering and the survival of the virus in our own experience and in those whom we love. Pause for a moment and recall those you know who struggled, suffered, 
survived. Some of us showed up on the front lines of care from those earliest days of the great unknowing and terror of those earliest days up until now. Pause for a moment and notice who's in your heart showing up on the front lines day after day. Some of us lost jobs or livelihoods. We experienced strain in relationships and community connections. We experienced struggles for mental health and holistic well-being descend on us anew or just be amplified in frightening ways. Many of us lost other beloveds, not necessarily due to the virus, whom we could not visit in their last days and around whose memory we could not gather with family and friends, in many cases still haven't been able to, piling loss upon loss upon loss. Many of us perhaps still feel adrift with these grievous and unresolved experiences of deep sorrow and distance. Aunt Dort is the name written on my heart. Pause for a moment and recall the names written on yours. The ashes have piled up this year. We will not resuscitate what was. The same is true of our congregational life. As we return in the coming months, I can promise that things will feel strange. It will be strange. It won't be just like you remembered it. Some of it will feel awkward or stilted. Some of it may feel unnecessary or cumbersome. Some of us will feel frightened by the coming together and some of us impatient to move more quickly. And though we will find ways to gather virtually in new ways, our community of Zoom churches busted geographical boundaries and there's gonna be incredible loss as we say goodbye to this regular weekly gathering from wherever we are. Many of us are sure to experience a whole lot of disappointments along the way. But fireweed is again poking through the ash. New life is emerging. Resurrection is slowly happening. Our landscape will regenerate in ways that are both familiar and altogether novel. Hang in there is my encouragement. Hang in there and practice curiosity. Practice curiosity. I'll say it all again. Hang in there and practice curiosity. And I know that we will find our way together. 
the disciples, starting with Mary Magdalene, the disciples who encountered the resurrected Jesus were terrified. But as they moved through their fears, a new way of being a radical Jesus following community unfolded. We too can grieve all that we have lost for a time, all that we have lost forever, and begin to embrace a new, regenerated, fireweed, resurrected life together. May it be so. Amen. Amen. Our hymn of response and our transition into our time of prayer together is a recording from the Voices Together collection of recordings. And you, uh, it's a reminder of God's constant presence with us. And, and as we transition into prayers, you'll hear a voice intermittently throughout the re this repeated chorus calling us into prayer and into God's presence um, in prayer and scripture. we can say, we give you thanks that your spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. nothing we can do, we give you thanks that you are working for good in this world of struggle and pain. There is nothing else we know. Still, we give you thanks that nothing in life or in death, nothing in heaven or on earth, nothing in this world or the world to come will ever separate us from your great love through Jesus Christ. Amen.
the love of God is fireweed. It is here and it is coming. Let's continue in a spirit of prayer, inviting those of you who have prayers for the community, invite you to put those in the chat for inclusion in a moment. God, you know us inside and out. We can't run and we can't hide. You are with us at all times. Have mercy on us, O God. Shield us from fear, heal our wounds and bind up our broken hearts. Have mercy upon us, O God. From the very beginning, you have known and loved us. Open our hearts to receive your love through all our stumbling and bumbling. You have lifted and carried us and bring us into your presence. And it is here in your presence, in our prayers, that we offer our longings and our gratitudes. We continue to pray with Thelma as she prepares to move to Abbotsford in the monumental task of packing up one home and finding a place and community in a new home. Be with her and guide her as she does this all while also anticipating and healing from a cataract surgery on June 9th. Be her constant companion both in her body and in her spirit. We also continue our prayers for Yvonne Bade, Michael's mother, in her dissociation and delusion. Be with Michael and his family who are companioning her and bearing a heavy emotional burden. Bring peace and a calming of her spirit. We lift up the young family of my younger cousin, Abram Neufeld, who died of complications related to COVID in Brazil this past week. As COVID ravages the global communion of humanity where vaccines and medical interventions are wanting, we call upon the spirit of service and help to inspire the communities with more than they need to shift resources to where they are most needed. We are grateful today for the energetic and courageous group of climate riders marshalling their bodies and minds to launch from Seattle Mennonite tomorrow. May they ride in safety and health. May the conversations and workshops they will do along the way amplify the ways the church can live sustainably and lead in their communities towards right relationship with all living things. Turning to the chat. gratitude for the time that Megan and Derek and family are going to have together this week. Enjoy the time, my friends. Grace be with you. We are grateful for all of the prayers that are in our hearts and minds. But ask God that you just attend to our spirits in the days ahead as we face the challenges of going back to work and continuing in school and remote learning and juggling schedules, God. We, we know there is much in the week ahead. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the beauty of your creation and for those in our community who are out enjoying that this weekend. Be with them. Renew them. Give them life and spirit out of 
their time with your creation. Praying with Ani as she undergoes surgery this week. Thank you, Amy, for bringing that. God, open our hearts to receive your love. May we rest easy in your presence, for that is where we may come for healing. Restore us and give us peace, O God, for your love is with us. We thank you, O God, for your mercy, for your love, and for your grace. Amen. We are grateful for all the gifts that each of you offer to this congregation. And of course, we're grateful for the means to collect those offerings digitally. We bless the work that these gifts do in supporting all of the ministries of our congregation, led by many of the leaders, many of you within our congregation. Thanks be to God. I, did, I learned thanks be to God also in ASL, by the way. So this is thanks be to God. Amen. Our hymn of sending, I'll teach that one again. Don't worry. Our hymn of sending uh, is again, singing with ourselves the hymn Tumamina. benediction. Eternal God, you call us to ventures of which we cannot yet see the ending. By paths as yet untrodden, through perils yet unknown. Give us faith to go out with courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us through Jesus Christ. Amen.